It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. A little later than normal on a Thursday. I'm James Erpine. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Every single week we're joined by Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. This week is no different, even though it's a bye week. We have plenty to discuss. Joe's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work in The Athletic. And Joe, I appreciate the time, as always. Before we get to the Bengals and whether or not they should have signed as Brian and John Ross and A.J. Green and all of these things, the Saints and Drew Brees and how I think he's better than Aaron Rodgers, all this stuff, before we get to any of that, we got to talk about your Halloween costume because it went viral. Thanos. Uh, you created this costume. I, I need to know all the details, but it goes viral, and millions and millions and millions of people saw your Thanos costume. Um, just discuss it. How'd you create it? How'd you make it? And, and how viral did this get? Because outside looking in, it seems like you're basically a celebrity now. Yeah, I want to go that far, but but thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it, you know, I tried to do it a couple years ago and I started sculpting a mask and, um, I started, I made the helmet, I want to say two years ago and, I never really picked it back up and I gathered pieces as I went. And, you know, it was always, I do that. I have a lot of halfway done art projects around the house and this was one of them. I've got other costumes that I'm halfway done with because I just, sometimes I don't feel the motivation or, or in this case, when infinity war came out, his look kind of changed again from one movie to the next. And it kind of ruined my, my, my motivation with that and, and killed my steam. So I put it down for a little bit and, uh, I was I went to New York Comic Con this year and I saw a few other people dressed as it and I thought I can do better I can do that and I can I can push mine to another level so I over the last couple months I've really in my free time which there is not much of it but in my free time I uh, just started hammering at home and and I did everything from build a muscle suit so I could look like I'm you know close to the size of Thanos in real life and to, you know, painting the, the mask once that was done and then painting the armor and making the armor out of foam and all this, all the, it was, it was, there's a lot of, a lot of techniques I picked up over the years, but uh, yeah, it, it, it got, it went far on the internet, which is fun because you don't always expect that to happen. I guess, you know, I've definitely never had anything like that, even in Bengals or anything else I've done, uh, stretch that far to where it's picked up by on a bunch of other websites and, and actually had Marvel and Hasbro reach out to me and say that they saw it and they appreciated it and they wanted to send me a box of goodies. And I got that today and it was pretty cool. It's See, bunch of toys and a bunch of stuff. Only so, celebrities I mean, get boxes of goodies from Marvel. No, but you know what I'm thinking? Like, the Bengals have never sent me a box of goodies. They just... <laughs> no. They, no, they're not going to do that. No. I'm in the wrong business. And I know what I need to be doing now, James. Yeah, I, honestly, look, and I'm I'm dead serious about this. I want you to make me a costume for next year. What do you think? What do you want to be? Um... Something awesome, so, some kind of superhero, some someone. You know, something actually, awesome. no, no. Honestly, you know what I would want. And this is one of my favorite shows on television, uh, on the CW, which everyone's like, "What? What the hell are you talking about?" But Arrow is 
one of my favorite shows, an Arrow costume. And I know they're out yeah. there, but I think you could make it amazing. So there you go. That's the project. That would be awesome. And you, you've got a good build for Arrow, too. See? I, like, that, would, that would work. If I was a little taller, I would look like Oliver Queen. I need to be a little taller. That's it. Oh, we'll put some combat boots on you. Maybe put a little lift in there. You know, get you to maybe five ten, and you'll you'll be right. Hey, don't don't you dare! I'm five nine and a half now. I'm five nine <laughs> know, and a half now. That, that was the joke. It's All right, you jerk. So don't you make me grow to six foot right now. Um, but yeah, is that doable? Could you do it? I could do it. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna have my accountant reach out to you. Uh, uh, I'll give you fifteen dollars and a Hershey bar. Thank you. That is a great conversation since I. Didn't get anything for this, making this costume. But I also, you know what? I made a Daredevil also this year, and it's almost done. So I think I'm going to finish that for next year. So I've got room for commission now. I've got time because my next year's costume's already done. So I'm going to bring on your uh, your Green Arrow or just Arrow uh, CW version. Yes, Arrow. I, like the CW version. That's the version I want. Because right. But I, he, and he's worn a bunch of different ones. So you got to choose like which one, you know. We'll you have to talk about it. The, I'm, I'm dead and... serious about this, by the way. I will work out twice as hard if, if yeah, you promise. James, you're in great shape. You don't need to work out. By the way, you're not, la- last you're not time. Out of queen shape. We're going to do the combine during the combine. Last time I tried, I was up to 13 reps at 225 with no spotter. Ooh. With no spotter. NFL combine That's... that. Orlando Brown. How many nonsense. players on the Bengals have done less than 13? I bet there's a handful. I, At I the combine, I mean. I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't compare that. I, I'm comparing myself to Arrow. Those are the standards. Oliver <laughs> Queen's pretty good, man. You know, He does some wild workout, though. He does a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff. That's what you need to do. It's like jungle living on an island workout stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. But see, I'm serious about this. This is not me BSing for the podcast. I would love that costume. Oh, we can do it. Not that I BS on this podcast, you know, but uh, (laughs) all right, perfect. Um, Arrow. That that is my Halloween costume. This year I was a nerd and I put it together in about two and a half seconds. I literally went to the dollar store, got some glasses, threw some tape on the middle of them and wore the worst nerdy clothes I had. Um, This year, uh, this coming year, 2019, I'm going to be the the green arrow or arrow, whatever you want to say. So that's awesome. I've got some, uh, I've got some numbers here for you, James, by the way, for, to go with your, um, how many reps did you say you could do? Twelve or thirteen? What was that I, last year? I did thirteen. That, that thirteen. That, that's re- Jesse, that, that's recent. That was in the, the last month. Jesse Bates did twelve this past year. Um, thirteen comparables are Mario Alford. You know who else did thirteen? Tanner Hawkinson. Remember him? Two thousand thirteen offensive lineman. Oh gosh. Yeah, and he's three hundred pounds from Kansas. 13. I'll give you the name of the because I, I keep a list of all the uh, the Bengals draftees under Marvin Lewis. I'll give you everyone else who's, who did under thirteen real quick: Kiwan Ratliff, Kobe oh. Hamilton, Whoa. Tyler Boyd, Whoa. Tyler Boyd, my yeah. guy, my guy. Corey. TV, I'm about to go talk trash to him. Whoa. Corey Lindsay, William Jackson, Josh what? Malone, what? Dennis Weathersby, Greg Brooks, Greg Brooks, Darius Phillips, and Desmond Briscoe. What is what the hell is going on? Yeah, maybe yep. I should be a trainer, man. Get these guys ready for the combine. Little Most iron. Those guys did ten and eleven. Tyron Matthew did four, so and he's a That's stu- crazy. Yeah. He's such a good right. and he's strong as hell too. It makes no sense. It, it's honestly, it's just about that, like taking the time to do it. You know how it is. No, I have no idea. I don't. I don't bench at all. Um. Anyways, uh, let's transition. <laughs> Someone who I, I guess was benching, I guess was doing other workouts and stuff because he was in pretty good shape. So much so that the the Bengals couldn't reach out to him, and instead the Saints did. Des Bryant, 
I've been criticized and ripped for talking about Des Bryant, whether or not the Bengals should bring him in to work him out. Your thoughts on this idea, your thoughts on uh, them doing it last week. Last week is the week I would have done it. This week it was already too late. Next week would have been way too late. But uh, your thoughts on this whole idea of, of potentially bringing in Des Bryant, at least working him out, the fact that, they, that he didn't, and now the fact that he will be at Paul Brown Stadium and potentially playing on Sunday against the Bengals as a member of the Saints. The entire wide receiver position has been a roller coaster this year from, um, you know, feeling overcrowded right after the draft and hopeful to them releasing Brandon LaFell, something a lot of people didn't think they would do, to Tyler Boyd's explosion, to John Ross catching a touchdown and showing he could play in the preseason, catching a touchdown week one, dealing with injuries, but also having some explosive plays to mix bag and mix and miss plays, to AJ Green being the guy who, who he is and three touchdowns versus the Ravens on Thursday night. And then, you know, injuries again with, with, with Boyd and now A.J. Green. So from from there, that's when we started talking, not knowing at the time last time we talked, we didn't know how long Green would be out. We, we speculated at the time, maybe if he misses a week, maybe he's back after. Maybe we can't count on John Ross ever being healthy because that is still up in the air. Um, so we talked about Des Bryant. We talked about the prospect of trading for somebody at the trade deadline, and we saw a few receivers actually get moved. So from that point, and it seemed like the Bengals knew – or uh, at least we're unsure of the timetable for A.J. Green until further testing was done and then a second opinion was had, uh, that they may have a hole at receiver. And we talked about it then that, you know, if that's the case, we sh- we should always, as fans, request that this team goes for it all. And that includes um, being uh, um, open to adding talent any way possible. And this this includes veteran free agents that are somehow still out there midway through the year. And I and then I got to the point where I was like, well, no one's really bringing Des Bryant in. So maybe maybe he doesn't want to play. Maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe he really lost the step. Here are the Cowboys who, who look terrible at receiver, give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. They cut Des Bryant. They knew what type of need they had at that position, and, and they cut him. So, I, you know, I, I, I started to reel it back of, you know, maybe there's just nothing there. And then as soon as the Saints and the reports came out that the Saints were interested, and you know the Saints coming off a uh, a, a beatdown, really, I mean, even though the Rams came back uh, and they, the, the Saints finished the game, but a beatdown of what I thought was the best team in the league with the L.A. Rams. And if anyone should feel complacent, it should be the, 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 the Saints right now. But instead, after trading for a corner just a couple weeks ago, here they are bringing in multiple receivers to try and work out. And as soon as I read the report, I said, if the Saints are interested, the Bengals should be interested. Mm-hmm. We should be in the same category. We should be one of those same teams that are saying – Let's go for it. Let's push it. We got guys that are injured. We should not let those injuries derail our season because this team is on the brink of doing just that and letting that happen. Uh, and, you know, and, and it doesn't, that didn't last long because Des Bryant quickly signs or at least reports were that night that he was signing. And now here we are playing him that week. And who knows if he even plays or plays uh, at all because, you know, he's got to get acclimated, learn the playbook, and still get in the further shape. Uh, reports where they wanted him to lose five pounds. So, Still, I think the overarching point is these good teams, Bruce Irvin, who was released, why don't we, the Bengals knew that, um, that uh, Carl Lawson would, would miss the year. They brought in defensive ends to work out. They just didn't go after Bruce Irvin. Who did? The Steelers, the Patriots, the Falcons. Remember the Falcons a couple of years ago went after Dwight Freeney, and, and, you know, just because they needed a speed edge rusher. Here they are again saying, you know, we've had injuries. We've got to get some help over here. And those three teams are the teams that have been to the Super Bowl that, that are the standard and – you look at it and you say, well, 
here are the Bengals with no reports or no interest. You see the workout for the guys they do bring in for workouts, and it's just it's not on the same level as these other teams that I'm pretty sure are going to be at the end of the year competing for the, the, the ultimate trophy, the Lombardi trophy. Yeah, to me it, it's simple. Look, aggressiveness wins. Look at the teams that have won a Super Bowl in the past six years. I mean, and I'm not even looking at the list, but, hey, was Denver aggressive? Hell yes, they were. They went and got Peyton yep. Manning. They went and got to keep the lead. They went and got this guy. They went and got Ward. They went and got that. Yeah, on and on and on and on and on. Oh, were uh, the Seattle Seahawks aggressive? Yes, they were. Were the New England Patriots aggressive? Always. Did you see Josh Gordon the other night? That's working out pretty well. Uh, were the Eagles aggressive last year? Yes. Aggressive wins. Period. And this idea that, and it's, I, I clarify, people are all over me. Oh, Des only had 800 yards. He's a glorified Brandon LaFell. Maybe, but two things to that. One, does it hurt to make the call and bring him in for a workout? Not just Des, by the way. I would have worked out Jeremy Macklin. I would have worked out Kenny Brown. I would have worked out a bunch of wide receivers. The Brandon moment, Marshall. Brandon Marshall. I would have worked them all out, yes, the, yep. uh, during the bye week. You know, I, I would have because that way – Minimum, you're doing your due diligence, and then when AJ Green's toe swells up like it did, you can say, "All right, let's go, let's go get one of these guys," and uh, and still stay in the hunt here with Green out. Other thing, and this thing is is the important thing. You mentioned the Cowboys, and so many people said this. Des is done. Look, the, the Cowboys gave up a first round pick for Amari Cooper. That sounds great, but you can't say that and then torch the Cowboys front office. You can't right. say that and then say J- Jason Garrett's a bad head coach. He is. He's awful. Does anyone think Dak Prescott's good? No. Everyone's crapping all over Dak Prescott. Everyone's crapping all over Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones. So that's the bar? That's who we're, we're letting make the decision? No. I want my eyes on him. I want to see him. I want to interview him and do the homework. And that's what Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and the New Orleans Saints did a really high-end organization when they're going for it in win-now mode, and the Bengals, meanwhile, sitting on their hands. It's not about that they signed Des Bryant. It's the fact that they were willing to go get their homework and do their homework to bring in Des Bryant. And they had to restructure a contract, I believe, Toronto Armstead, a left tackle, to get him under the cap. So they they are pushing not only a challenge of bringing a guy in that may be some people could see as as a character risk or a locker room, you know, someone who could shake up the locker room a little bit and does Bryant. But I always saw Bryant as someone um, who is passionate rather than disruptive. And sometimes that passion can boil over into disruption. But, you know, I was always a fan of his. But what my point was, not only are they doing that, they are also pushing the cap. And that's something we've complained a lot about the Bengals not always doing and not always being um, um, willing to do. And even though they have spent money in recent years on their own guys, the Bengals have been rewarded by staying homegrown. Here, when we look at Tyler Boyd, right? After last year, or midway even through last year until those last couple of games, we all thought, you know, we're not really sure what you have in Tyler Boyd. And here, here we are rewarded that the Bengals were able to stick with him and, and, and allow him to win uh, a job. But point being is they've been rewarded by keep staying with their guys. But you see around the league, there's short leashes around around the league up for their, even their own draft picks. And you always hear the Bengals have the most drafted guys in the league yet because they're all playing on their team. Their whole team's made up of it, basically. And these other teams are, are okay, we have, a, we have a situation at wide receiver. This guy's not panning out. We'll go trade for a guy. We've got a situation at defensive end. We're two years in. This guy's not panning out. I'm going to go sign a guy. And that's really what the Bengals have lacked. Uh, you know, for really under the Marvin Lewis era, and especially since 2011, where you felt like the win- Super Bowl window was was cracked open and they could have had a chance. And it, it, it pains you to think that 
because I wrote about it even this year that and they may be turning a corner or doing things differently. Look at them cutting veterans. That's something they never really did. And, you know, so you hope that every time you see them make a change or, or advance a little bit, you're reminded a couple months or, or down the road that, yeah, they're still kind of stuck in their own ways and comfort within the organization, comfort with what they know rather than the outside player that may be a little bit scary because it's an incomplete evaluation because you're unsure of it. I'm going to ask Joe Goodberry about this matchup against the Saints and so much more next. But first, it's Bengal Saints. And if you're not going to the game on Sunday, you know what you should do? You should check it out at Wiedemann Brewery. It's the place to watch all of the exciting NFL games, college games, and so much more. They're the official brewery of the Locked on Bengals podcast. They have a bunch of big screen TVs, 15 tasty beers on tap, and so much more. Plus, November 10th, this Saturday, it's the Wiedemann's Beer Boxing Championship, brought to you by the Punch House Boxing Fitness Club. They're going to have craft beers, live amateur boxing. It is going to be amazing. Tickets are on sale now at the brewery, at the Punch House, or online at cincytickets.com. Go there. Watch some boxing. Watch the Bengals on Sunday. Maybe some college football. Get their blood orange blonde while it lasts. It is awesome. They got IPA stouts, German style lagers, and so much more. Again, Wiedemann Brewery for more. Go to Wiedemannsfinebeer.com or check them out on Facebook. Wiedemanns is the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James Erpine and the best costume creator on the planet. Joe Goodberry is with us of The Athletic. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, we've talked about Thez. We've talked about Thanos. We've talked about how you're going to be my official costume creator for 2019. Let's dive into this game Sunday. No A.J. Green. Obviously, it doesn't take someone like you to break down the film to look and see how important A.J. Green is in this offense but you might have a better understanding of how important he is. It's a huge loss. It goes without saying that, but uh, just discuss how the Bengals' offense is probably going to change without Adriel Jeremiah Green. Yeah, and obviously losing him anytime has been uh, bad. Has had a, yeah, has been bad, I guess. They have won some games, and I think that's what people hang on, obviously. I, he's missed four Ravens games, 13 games I, I, I put total even though I think the official count is 11 uh, over his career, and it's because I counted the Buffalo game, and you remember he got hurt on that first catch of, well, I think, one catch, one yard or something. Um, and then the Falcons game from, I want to say, 2014 or 15, I can't remember, where he um, ran a route and they said, nope, we can't go, and he, he came off the field. Uh, but in that 13 games, it's not pretty. And I think the Bengals have tied one and won five games. So really five and a half games out of 13 they've won. Uh, four games he missed against the Ravens, and, and the Bengals have actually won two of those. Uh, the game I think of a lot is the Eagles game from 2016. And Tyler Boyd was a rookie. 
the Bengals are really struggling that year, and, and like always, they find a way to rally off a few wins towards the end of the year, and the Eagles were one of them. Carson Wentz was a, was a rookie also, and um, that was the first time I believed that Tyler Boyd could be a go-to guy out of the slot, and they didn't have green, and the offensive line was, you know, really the start of what we saw for the, for the following year in 2017. So there were issues on, on on that side of the ball. Ken Zambezi was still the coordinator, and they found a way to feed Boyd, and he didn't have a huge game, but yet it, it really showed you that he could beat that guy. Uh, and anytime you lose green, you look and you say, well, who else is stepping up? And, and they lost him for a chunk of games in in 2015, and, and um, I'm sorry, not 2015, 2014, and they had Mohamed Sanu, and, and, you know, in previous years they had Marvin Jones, they, they've had Tyler Eifert, they've had... Now Tyler Boyd. And a lot of people said, well, isn't the coverage going to get even tighter on Boyd? Could they possibly double Boyd? And a lot of people ask, are you going to put Boyd on the outside? Do you think, Or do you think the Bengals are going to put Boyd on the outside and, and maybe you put Erickson in the slot so your number one receiver can, can you know, be then on the outside? And I think the game has changed so much that your number one guy can be in the slot, and a lot of teams run it this way. Look at the Patriots, one of the most successful offenses. Uh, the Rams, Cooper Cup, he's in the slot all the time. And while they have three good receivers, they go to Cup a lot. Even the Saints will move Michael Thomas into the slot a lot. And um, – so for Boyd, he's natural in the slot. He's a, he's a, he's the best in the slot, and it's really hard to double that guy. And a lot of times, even the last couple of weeks, it was really just AJ Green and Tyler Boyd out there. You know, you couldn't even count that third or fourth receiver to contribute on the team. And there was even times then where Boyd didn't have anybody on him just because the Bengals were going trips to one side and the defense is in zone coverage. So Boyd just has to turn around, make a catch, fall for eight yards, and keep the ball, keep the the first down chain moving. So he did. You know, I do think you. He will be able to pick up some of the slack. I do think he will be able to step in. But anytime you lose Green, you lose that guy, and we've seen it a lot this year. Even though he hasn't been the vertical outside threat, what he's been instead is. We need a play here on third down. We need something in the red zone. Green, we're going to get you in the slot, and we're going to go to you. And that's what I think, you know, you may miss. Even though Boyd's been so tremendous on third and fourth downs and in the slot, having both those guys when they did do this, when they go trips or when they go four wide, putting them both in the slot, was just even more dangerous. So that you're going to lose something. You're going to lose some production. Andy Dalton's numbers in those 13 games are not very good. I think his quarterback rating is an 80.3 or something in that range, which is far below the NFL average of like 93 right now. Um, so, you know, you, you're going to struggle on offense. What you need to do is pick it up with Joe Mixon. Maybe Giovanni Bernard will be healthy. You get Billy Price back this week. Maybe, they don't, maybe the run game gets a, gets a boost there. Even though, uh, you know, I thought Trey Hopkins is coming off his best performance or one of them, and, and, you know, he's been solid at center. So maybe it's an upgrade. Maybe it's not right away. But overall, obviously, losing something with Green. I'm excited now, and I think, James, you would probably be and agree with this, I'm excited to see John Ross again, but of course we are, right? Listener, that's what you're thinking. Of course Joe and James are excited to see John Ross, but I'll tell you why. Because they weren't designing anything for him in, in, the, in the first half of the year, and even when he was healthy. They weren't designing it for him because they had Eifert, because they had Green, because they had Boyd, and those guys were good, and they were, they were producing. But now you don't. You're going to have to have Ross get schemed open. You're going to have to put Ross in those same positions you were putting AJ Green and and allowing him to get to get open on on after motion in the slot on on pick plays, things that you do on third downs where you set up your packages to scheme guys open. 
That's not John Lawson there, and I'm excited to see it because they're going to have to actually use him for the first time all year. Are they? That's that's my concern, Joe. That's my they concern here. If they don't, I. That's the problem. Is and, and this is a good one. I texted you about this earlier this week, and I ranted about it earlier today on ESPN fifteen thirty. Um, and it, it just it honestly, I know what it is with John Ross. I I do. No one saw him play. And I text you about this. No one saw him play in college, and when he was drafted, everyone said, little guy, runs fast, gonna get injured, can't catch. Uh, People wrote the book on John Ross. I'm not saying the entire fan base did, and a lot of our listeners are, are, are smart people, but there is a big group of Bengals fans that wrote the book of John Ross is a bust, wrote, wrote and completed and finished that book before he ever even was targeted in the NFL. And what I think is interesting is no one – have you gotten one tweet, Joe, that, that says, oh, Billy Price – that has said Billy Price is a bust? No. Okay. No. And, and he's not. He's not a bust, right? We have no idea. Right. He, he suffered an injury, and that's fine. You know, that hey, happens injury. sometimes. It, it's, yeah, correct. Back-to-back injuries now for Billy Price. And that's a little concerning. But I don't think anyone thinks he's a bust because they treat him fairly. John Ross last year was a bust – at the Indy game in Indianapolis at the preseason game because he walked off with trainers. That's when. That's when. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me the treatment that he gets, and I just I hope that the Bengals start doing him some favors. Marvin Lewis yesterday said, yeah, John Ross has been all right when he's out there. He said, he said good, I think. He's been good when he was out there. Good. Show more of it, please. Let him win. Give him success. Like, I would... I would give him 10 targets on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I, I'm serious. 10 targets. And not this weird little handoff reverse. Now, now, maybe you do that, but I'm giving him a couple slants. I'm giving him some posts. I'm giving him a, a deep route across the field where he can not only beat you, run past you, but beat you to the right pylon for a touch. Like that type of stuff. Put him in a position to win. And I think that that's where we should all be. Does John Ross have a lot to prove? Yes. Does he need to stay healthy? Yes. But the Bengals need to give him a chance to prove what he can do and, and, and show the world what he did at Washington wasn't just at Washington, that he can do it in the NFL. Yeah, and the idea that he can't catch to me is is wild. It's um, the stupidest th- – sorry, I'm going to ra- – the dumbest thing – he has one drop this season and the, the world says, oh, he can't catch because of family day he had a drop – when LeBron James misses free throws in practice, does anyone say, oh, LeBron can't miss? No, it's what he's done in a game. He has one drop in his career. One. And you, show, you, you show the long touchdown against the, the Bills in preseason, and they go, oh, it was preseason. <laughs> well, you just cut, you're, you're counting the drop he had in, in, in preseason also, so what are we doing here? Exactly. And then, uh, and then on the other side, they love Auden Tate, but <laughs> it's not even well, all close. he did was preseason. All he did was preseason. And Three receptions. Three receptions. And the, on eight targets. They're like, well, at least he can catch three of eight. That's yeah. not good. You don't want to catch under 50% of your targets. You got, you know what's the, you know what makes catching so much easier? Hands, obviously. But do you know what gets you in position to catch an open pass? Your feet, your running, your, your ability to separate. Tate doesn't have that. So, you know, the first part is already lost for Tate. Ross can win on that first part. Now, whether he actually catches it or not, because people have questions about his hands, fine. But at the same time, the first part is getting open. We know Ross can do that with, with his speed, with his agility. He was a fantastic route runner in terms of separation, deception, quickness. 
agility, acceleration, explosion at Washington. He has shown it in flashes here in Cincinnati. Um, I think people look at it and, and, and they don't understand the mental part of, of route running that still takes its time, and you learn these little veteran tricks as you go and as you get more comfortable in the offense. And the coordination and, and comfort between quarterback and receiver, whereas think of it, think of it from the quarterback's eyes. You drop back, you know you're going to, to Ross as long as he angles his route a certain way versus a certain coverage. And you look at him and you're not sure because you, you haven't thrown him that much because he's been injured. So you look at him and by his body lean, you can't really tell if he's running a post or, or keeping it downfield interception in Carolina. So then, you, you know, you don't feel as comfortable throwing to him at other times. It was like that with Tyler Boyd until he, he's until, you know, year three now with Boyd and Green, um, Boyd and Dalton, they look fantastic together. They look like they know exactly where the other guy's going. The, the, the timing, the anticipation for, for Dalton looks fantastic. I said uh, when I did a review of, of Boyd's route running uh, of the last game, I said he's got more chemistry with Andy Dalton than Green does right now, and they, those guys have been together forever. But I do believe that can develop and will develop with John Ross and make his route running look even more spectacular because it can be he he's got feet like Odell Beckham Jr. he can run routes he can make guys look silly and I am waiting for it to happen but for me when guys when fans talk about Ross as a, as a bust already it's not on field though for me like when I watch him like when I watch him on the, on the field yeah there's been some mistakes and some miscommunications and interceptions he slipped on a play that has interception in, in, in preseason those things happen. Those things happen to AJ Green. Yes, and, injuries and so happen to AJ Green too. By the way, look at the entire team; they've all been injured. Yeah. So we're blaming Ross for a team that cannot stay healthy as a whole right now. So you know, yes, he's got the history. I think we need to hit the reset button and say this team needs him. And I think maybe I love that Marvin Lewis was positive about Ross because. There have been times when we questioned it and, and questioned how he views Ross. And Marvin's kind of particular the way he, he treats young guys, making them earn their position, making them earn their, their role in, in, on the team, on the offense. And I love that he, the way he said that, you know, we just need him out there. We feel he's a good player. He just has to be out there. And he's going to be out there this week, it looks like. And they're lacking talent and lacking weapons due to injuries to others. Um, and because of it, I, I do believe they have to go to him. And now if they don't, if we come back after this game and they say, man, they didn't go to Ross, then we start questioning more things because, you know, it's not that Green and Boyd are in front of him and he's running clear-out routes because if that's the case and, and Boyd catches 15 passes behind Ross while he's running clear-out routes, then I have even more questions about what their plan is and what they're going to do as, as they continue to go throughout this year and try and make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I just, to me, he's not... It's not even close now. Like, if Tyler Boyd's your one, Ross is clearly your two from a talent perspective. Like, no one else is even near him. And, and there are, It's not close. I've gotten, oh, Josh Malone is this, and, you know, and I like Alex Erickson, by the way. Let, let me ask you this. How would you use these wide receivers? Because Alex Erickson on the outside is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I would put him in yep. the slot if he's going to be there. That said, that's where Tyler Boyd thrives. I would put John Ross on the outside, period. Uh, 99% of the time, unless there's some special play. But I would move Boyd around a little bit because he's got to be the guy. He does. But for the most part, I'd keep him in the slot. But if Boyd was outside with Ross on the other side, it would be Erickson for me. Is that the, the smart way to go about it? Like I said earlier, I'd want Boyd in the slot as much as possible because right now, 
If you something I learned while working at McDonald's and being a manager, the lunchtime comes and the rush is coming in, you say you put your aces in your places. You put your best players where they're at their best in order to, to be successful. And for me, that's Boyd in the slot, and I think everyone would agree with that. So I want them in there as much as possible. But here's you look around other the league, and here's what other teams do when they have like two slot guys that they feel uh, are their are two of their best three. And I would say that right now with Erickson and Boyd. They bunch those guys up together. They will, they'll bring them closer to the line and not split out so wide, and they'll put one in front of the other or they'll bunch them. And the Bengals are going to get a lot of man coverage this week because if I was the defense going against the Bengals, I'm looking at Ross and Boyd and Erickson. I'm going to man them guys up, and I'm going to say, beat us now. We're not going to play zone because we're not going to get picked apart by Boyd over the middle. Have your guys, have your average athletes and, and Boyd and Erickson beat us. We'll slide the safety towards Ross. Beat us now. And I think that's what they're going to see. And the, and the way to beat man coverage is to bunch your guys up. Get them clean releases. Get that corner off. Think of Antonio Brown's touchdown against the Steelers. Steelers do it constantly. They, Steelers got a lot of slot guys. Juju Smith-Schuster is a slot guy. Switzer's a, a slot guy. Antonio Brown gets in the slot a bunch. So they, they do a lot of this. And you think of the touchdown that, that won the game for the, for the Steelers against the Bengals, the way they brought um, uh, Brown in motion – Behind the receiver, and what happened? William Jackson had to back off. There was a miscommunication there. That's what you do when you have a Boyd and an Erickson. And, it, you know, they're not Brown, obviously. Boyd's having a great year. But Erickson's not Brown. And so you do that to get that coverage off, to get them these, these free releases, to confuse the defense. And you can, you can run, you know, pick plays, or, or you can run levels concept where one guy's going to go deep, one guy's going to cut underneath them, and, and it get, makes it easier for Andy Dalton. Um, crossing routes, things like that, things that are going to beat man coverage. And that's what I would do right now because I don't feel this team can trust uh, Josh Malone, Cody Core in it. And Malone was um, was limited today in practice, so maybe Auden Tate is up this week. And if that's the case, you know, I think he's strictly a, a red zone, throw it up kind of guy anyways. So they're going to have to scheme and manage all three of their receivers if they want to have a chance of, of putting points on the board. All right, I won't keep you much longer, but I do have to ask you about the defense. How in the hell are they going to contain Alvin Kamara? Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, even Ben Ben Watson, who I think is a very underrated tight end at this this stage in the game, and, and then obviously you got Mark Ingram, you got Des Bryant potentially out there as well. What what are the Bengals defensively? What do they do to try to contain this Saints offense? They're not going to. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're not going to keep me very long because this is a very short answer. Drew Brees does not get sacked. He does not turn over the ball most of the time. Um, yeah. You're not going to create the turnovers unless something freak happens, some fluke play happens. Michael Thomas is the hardest receiver to cover right now in the NFL because uh, they scheme him around, they move him around. He's had 79 targets this year. He's got 70 of them. It's like automatic with him and Drew Brees right now. It is extremely hard to cover that guy. I would invest all resources into doubling him, trying to take him away, because the Saints have the largest gap between the number one receiver and the rest of the receiving depth in terms of yardage disparity in the entire NFL. You want to take away Thomas. And you're going to say, well, they're going to throw it to Kamara, and our linebackers are going to get chewed and safeties. Well, guess what? They are anyways. I don't care who the, who the running back or tight end is. They're going to get beat up anyway. So I'm going to take away Thomas and try and keep the big plays from happening. I feel like the Saints outside of that dome are a little worse off, averaging about 28 points a game rather than 35. So that may save you one touchdown. But this offense is going to, for the Bengals is going to have to put up 30, 35 points to even have a chance. And that's not going to guarantee a victory. That's just going to get them in the ballpark of a chance uh, because 
you know, the only way you win this game is a shootout, and hopefully the Saints make a mistake, or hopefully the weather affects them, and uh, maybe it, it limits their offense a little bit, because I just don't see a matchup I truly like, other than William Jackson on Michael Thomas with a safety help, um, or linebacker help underneath, whatever you can do to take him away, because I, I, as good as their offense is, um, there is a big gap, and especially if Des Bryant isn't ready, which, how would he be, right? Um, there's a big gap between their offensive weapons in terms of downfield from Michael Thomas to the next guys. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Joe, what do you have on The Athletic right now if our listeners go there? I just updated my top 50 Bengals because oh. I keep a grade on all these guys, right? I've done that for years. Um, my week is for self-scouting, so that's exactly what I did. I, I went through, updated all the grades, and, and reset the board to really look at the roster halfway through. And then, again, I've, I've got uh, got things coming for this, this next week after the Saints game. Awesome. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Subscribe to The Athletic. Joe, hey, you have a lot of work to do. I mean, you got the Bengals to cover, you have your normal job, you have dad life, you have husband duties, and you have to create a Halloween costume for me for 2019. Sounds great. I, I can't wait. It, it, there, you know how high the expectations are now? This needs to be like like Hollywood sit, like set-ready stuff. Like if I walk on the set of Arrow, I expect – is that Oliver Qu- – is that is that Stephen Amell? Is that who that is or who, who is that? You look like a stunt double. That's right. Maybe I could be a st- – it's a good idea. <laughs> new career that, that's right I'm emailing the producer now Joe I appreciate the time man thanks for having me James uh, that's Joe Goodberry good stuff there quick reminder to subscribe on iTunes Google Play Spotify Stitcher and wherever you get your podcast back at it Sunday after Bengals Saints right here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast hey Prime members you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad free on Amazon Music Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.